0: Hi and welcome to the Crime Pods. I'm Caitlin and I'm Sam. So this week I am taking you to Hull in England and I'm going to tell you an interesting story. So this week I'm telling you the story of Bruce Lee. Uh, have you have you heard of Bruce Lee? (laughs) I've definitely heard of Bruce Lee but it's possibly a different Bruce Lee that we're talking about. (laughs) I hope so yes it is um, yeah the main person in the story is Bruce Lee that isn't his original birth name but he's changed his name to that but I'll go into that later so let's get started. So as I said our story is set in Hull or Kingston upon Hull which is a port city in East Yorkshire, England. Um, The population in the 70s, because that's when our story is, set was roughly 342,000 people. Now, Hull itself had had a lot of hard times, so the, um, the community in Hull were quite close and quite resilient. Now, Hull was affected a lot by the Blitz pretty bad in the Second World War, and Roughly 1,200 people were killed there. It's actually the second after London is Britain's most bombed city. Now, as I said, it takes place in the 70s, 80s, our story. So December 4th, 1979 is where I'm going to start. Now, the Hasty family live in Selby Street near Hull um, and they're settling for bed. Now, this is Edith, the mum, and she has her four sons in the house. Thomas, who's nine, Charles, who's 15, Paul, who's 12 and Peter, who's eight. Now, she also has three daughters, but none of them are in. Now, they also have the dad, Tommy, but he was also out. He was in prison for breaking into the local sports club. Now, however, they all went to bed that night and someone appeared and poured paraffin all over the porch and in the letterbox of the house, setting it on fire by lighting paper through, as I said, uh, paper, sorry, through the letterbox. Now, Edith gets up because she hears it first and goes to the boys room. Now she opens the window, and she jumps first out of the window, and Thomas jumps is out the back. Thomas, sorry, jumped out the back window, but the rest are all trapped inside. And because he's opened the window as well, that's obviously adding air to fire, which is a massive no. But I get it. In that time, I'd be jumping out a window as well. Now they are all rushed to hospital. When the fire fire service go into the house, they can clearly smell paraffin, and they find matches that had been kind of like what's it called, like when you burnt out, um, these weren't obviously used to start the fire, it was paper through the letterbox, but they found matches at the scene. And They confirmed this was a deliberate fire and they immediately involved the police. Now Charles, who's 15, dies in hospital and the rest are in critical condition, so this quickly becomes a murder investigation. The neighbourhood is completely shocked at the death of this and they can't really believe it, um, and Detective Superintendent Ronald Sagar is the investigator of this case. Now the investigation began, but what I found really interesting, I'm going to do a weird comparison here, but like I'm going to go back to the episode I did a couple of weeks ago with Shannon Matthews when she went missing, the whole community pulled together. And as we said, they're quite a resilient community. And like, it was so interesting that everyone would do anything to help. This is not the case here. It becomes very clear this family are not liked. Most of the boys are already known to police for committing pre-crimes like theft, etc. The police start doing door to door and it's clear that nobody wants to really talk about them no one's surprised they were targeted people don't say anything they just have total silence and are not willing to cooperate cooperate so it looks like they're maybe hiding something but never mind the community hated this family and there was just no trust whatsoever now seger told the press he had actually never heard so much hate for a family and someone had actually just basically said to him when they asked about it like look bad things happen, but like, I've got my own kind of life to focus on kind of vibe, which is so mad when you think about how many other stories we tell about people doing everything they can to help a case, that this was not the situation here. Now, Tommy is actually released from prison on compassionate grounds, and just shortly after his release, eight-year-old Peter dies of his injuries as well. So the rest are still kind of fighting for their life. Now, two weeks later, Paul dies of his injuries in hospital as well. Now, Edith was looked at by community as a suspect, saying that she set the fire herself. So this was never the police. This was community. As we said, do not like this family at all. So she's now looked at as a bit of a suspect, being like, well, isn't it a bit suspicious she was the first to jump out the window? Like to think it was maybe an insurance thing. But the police denied any truth in this. And that's all I kind of have to say on that. I don't even have any more information to give. Now, the police aren't getting much, but they come across a small lead. Now, the Hasty family were delivered a note a few weeks before the fire, which was written on a bit of, like, cardboard pulled from a Cornflakes box, and it was a handwritten note, and someone wrote a note threatening them, basically saying, like, I've only got quotes from it, but called them a family of fucking rubbish, we all hate you, and then some other stuff, and then suggested they would bomb them out of the community, so not really pleasant mail to get so handwriting samples samples are taken from everyone in the area and they find the culprit of this letter a churchgoer elderly woman who was just at her wits end because I think the boys were harassing her and she said the reason she spoke like that in the letter is because that's the only language they understand so she is ruled out quite quickly as the arsonist because I think she was just this old frustrated lady now, as Christmas approached, they get another lead. So a call from a phone box um, phoned the police saying they were so sorry for the murder. Um, they showed the Hasties a slight like, recorded call, but they don't recognise the voice. And on Christmas Eve, the Hasties actually got a call to their house with someone crying and apologising for killing their children. So whoever this is, it's either prank calls or it is someone showing some sort of remorse. Now, that night on Christmas Eve... Um, Edith and Tommy actually go out and basically just smash up neighbours windows, et cetera, saying someone out there knew what happened and they get arrested and basically banned from Selby Street. But they got with a pardon on special grounds like their kids have just been like murdered, basically, but they believe it's someone in the community and they're just not saying anything. On January the 4th, 1980, it was a funeral for the boys and they drove them down Shelby Street past the house. Now, Edith was very upset. Obviously, her three sons have just kind of died and she was heard shouting at the crowd of mourners, saying it was one of them. And someone out there knew what happened. One of them killed them. That kind of, you you get the vibe, I'm kind of saying. Now, Angeline, I'm going to mention, is the older sibling. She's 16 and she's one of the sisters who was out babysitting the night of the fire. Now she had to really step up with her parents grieving but even more so when two weeks after the funeral her dad Tommy dies in a motorbike accident so this girl ends up working like 18-20 hour shifts to kind of keep the family afloat which is a lot for anyone but on a 16 year old girl that's crazy. Now the police are a bit stumped to what to do there is there's no links and as I've said nobody is willing to talk about this family so they decide to start looking into the background of the young boys like maybe it is because They're all kind of known to the police, yeah, petty crimes, but maybe there was somebody they've kind of pushed too far here. Now, Charlie was known to visit like a local gay sex work area. And for six weeks, the detectives watched a block of toilets just down from Selby Street, and they kept track of who was coming and going from the toilets. Now, from this, they got 40 people as regulars who were all questioned by police. Now, one of the people that was questioned by police is 19-year-old labourer Bruce Lee. Now, he changed his name from Peter... Um, so it was Peter George Dinsdale but he changed it to Bruce Lee because that's his martial arts hero so it is genuinely Bruce Lee he was named after now he's born in Manchester in the 60s his mum was also a sex worker and he didn't know his dad he was he had epilepsy sorry and he also had a paralysed right arm and what with a limp. He lived with his grandmother most of the time and then spent his childhood in and out of children's homes. He did try foster homes, but apparently he was too difficult. He would visit his mum at weekends and he did want to live with his mum. But every time he would move back home, he'd end up being moved back into the system again. So I don't know what the reason for that was. I don't know if she was unable to care for him or if they just weren't compatible kind of living together. He did attend a special school until he was 16, but he was actually very bright. But people were really horrible to him. It's, I hate saying it, but it's that era, isn't it? It's the 70s and he's got a disability. So people were horrible to him. They would call him Daff Peter and Limpy Lou and just like really nasty names just because he had a disability. And he ended up having different jobs throughout the years, but nothing really stuck until he got into labor. Now, he said he had engaged in sexual activities with Charlie for money. And the police had a tactic they were using with all 40 people they were investigating. They were basically just going to straight up accuse them off the fire, which definitely not a tactic you can use now, but definitely like back then when everything was kind of off the record, you could just kind of be like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So they're basically, we're just going to turn around and say, look, we know it was you. Why did you do it? And just see if anyone kind of cracks. So they say, Bruce Lee, like we know you did it, why you do? And he just turns around and goes, I didn't mean to kill them. So obviously the police as well are like, oh, our tactics worked. What for? Um So he basically said he was doing it to teach Charlie a lesson as he was threatening him for money as he was underage when they engaged in sexual activities and said that he would go to the police. So he also said he felt targeted by the whole Hasty family in general because I think he'd shown an interest in one of the sisters and because, as I've just said, Limpy Lou, Daft Peter, they all kind of just took the piss out of him to put him, Really, honestly, he said he went to the Hasty's house and put paraffin through the letterbox. He said he tried to light a match, but he couldn't get them to like stay, put them through the letterbox. So he lit paper and then posted that through the letterbox. So these details he's showing, the police know it had to be him because these are details that the police hadn't released to the public. So the detectives are shocked and he's charged with three counts of murder and one count of arson. Now he's remanded in Hull Prison to await trial and the press go wild. Printing pictures of him, like back then you can just release his name, everything about him. And this is when a local woman calls the police. Six months before, a pregnant woman named Rosebel Fenton had put her seven-year-old daughter to bed and was heading to bed herself when she saw a figure at the front door and she was sure it was Bruce Lee. And she was then woken up later that night by her neighbour shouting fire and her house had actually been set alight. Now, both her and her daughter, the seven-year-old, had suffered severe burns and she ended up losing her baby. Now, the police kind of ruled that as an accident and believed it was a dropped cigarette from the neighbour. The neighbour had been over earlier before they'd gone to bed and had a cigarette on the way back out. So they believe the dropped cigarette then caused the fire. But she is adamant it was Bruce Lee because she'd had a kind of altercation with him earlier that day. She was shouting at him for something, I don't know what, but she was adamant it was him. So the police just straight up go, okay, right, let's just come in. Like, was that you? And he goes, oh, well, I, I did that one. And again, the police are like, okay. So he's just like, right, okay. And then they kind of look more into it and just realise during the 1970s in Hull, there's just been a lot of accidental fires. So Detective Sagar asks if he wants to admit to any more. And he goes, I killed a baby once. And the police by this point are just like, what have we got into? So he confesses to lighting over 100 fires, 30 being classed as big ones. He admitted in 1969, at age nine, he had burnt down a, lo- a local shopping centre. Now, the police believed this had been an accident for years, but he was saying, no, like, I burnt it down and this is what I did. But he was too young, so this isn't able to be, like, put forward for charges now. Because, as I said, he was nine. But... Police are like, okay, is he lying? Like, is he just one of those people that he's been caught for the first one? So do you know? What? I always find this really strange. But do you know when you hear of people that admit to crimes that they actually didn't do because they just want more on their belt? Like if he's going to prison for three, year, eh, for three years for three murders and an arson, he kind of knows he's going to prison for life. So that's why there's some people that are kind of like they want to be known for being a serial killer or being like an arson. So I don't know if he is generally just like picking them up, and neither do the police. So. They go on a drive around Hull and they show him the locations of nine fatal fires. So he's kind of going like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. So they decide to set him up. So they take him to a place of a fire that they knew wasn't him. The person was already jailed for it. They were caught. They admitted it. So they take him to this place of a fire and say, yeah, this one was you as well. But he says he had absolutely nothing to do with that fire. So he is telling the truth. So they investigate him for months and he is eventually charged of 11 counts of arson 23 counts of murder which include five children and three babies. Now he said he just loved the thrill of fire and would feel like a tingling in his fingers and he would go round on his bike and take a water bottle full of paraffin, and just like watch the aftermath. He also then gets a bit weird and says like fires his master and he prefers it and he kind of quotes a bible verse that says like you can only have one ma- master because if not you prefer <laughs> the other master or something so he's saying that fire is master not god anyway one night um actually just to go back to something so bruce lee's obviously charging i just want to kind of like say something that i just found like when you get a bit that just makes you go a bit like Ooh, um we obviously spoke about the sister that had to like step up angeline so she actually notices when bruce lee's charged it was a night when she was out in town and he actually goes up to her in a pup and a pollen like and basically says like I'm sorry about your family and she's like oh it's okay so I just wanted to mention that because I think that just kind of adds to the character he is that he actually quite happily went up to her and said like, oh sorry about your family meaning like sorry I killed them and she's just been like oh it's okay like I get it <laughs> anyway yeah sick. so I just I hate that like do you know when you hear of like people like it's like mm-hmm. but he also did that thing which I'll go into a bit more in detail where he would like he loved watching the aftermath of the fires. Do you know what I mean? Sorry. So he's obviously questioned more about police. And on January 20th, 1981, he was classed as a pyromaniac, but fit to stand trial in Leeds High Court. So I think he'd been looked at by a psychiatrist and they've said that he's not mentally unwell. He is definitely a pyromaniac, but he is fit to stand trial in court. Now, he pleads non-guilty to all the murders, but instead goes and pleads guilty to 23 counts of manslaughter because he's saying like he didn't deliberately go and kill him which ugh, i actually hear what he's saying right hear me out that's not me agreeing with him but i get what he's saying like he didn't deliberately go into he's saying he didn't deliberately go to murder me like, deliberately go and start fire but then i'm like well what the hell did you think was going to happen like you've literally just gone and set someone's house on fire w- what did you think the outcome of that was going to be like ugh, anyway He's charged with no i arson. completely agree with you like do you know i just got really annoyed at that when he was just like well i didn't intend on killing them and i'm like what the hell do you mean by that anyway he is charged with the following so i'm actually going to go through some of them with you which i haven't really done this before so a new take on it but i don't think we've had a case kind of like this so anyway he is charged with on june the 24th 1973 The arson and murder of Richard Anthony Erlington, age six. Now, at 7am, he goes to his school friend's house. So, this is his school friend, bearing in mind, right? Which I just think, I'm like, what the hell? This is a school friend's house and he throws paraffin through the window. His five siblings got out, but he knew that his friend was disabled, so couldn't get out. Well, surely that's intent for murder. But then... I don't know how old he must have been in this because, well, actually I can figure it out, but you know, me, I'm terrible with maths. Um, but he's obviously, you know, this is, his friend was younger. So God knows how that happened. But anyway, on October the 12th, 1973, so you're talking like a couple of months between cases, he's charged with arson and murder of Arthur Smith, 72 again he was asleep in his armchair. he had gangrene so he couldn't do much he just goes into the lounge so he actually breaks through a window goes into the lounge and just sprays parfum all over the living room climbs out and lights it and he of course has gangrene he's asleep in his chair the whole living room's on fire he didn't really stand a chance today on october the 27th so a couple of weeks later in 1973 the murder of david brewer 34 which is pretty much the exact same as the last one but Mr Brewer and him had actually had an argument about his pigeons and Mr Brewer just kind of like hit him over the back of the ear so he was raging so he snuck into the hus- this house um, and this one's a bit different because he was asleep in his armchair he sprayed paraffin everywhere but he actually splayed paraffin onto David Brewer and set it on light and watched from outside watched David like run around on fire which is a bit wild. There's then a gap for like nearly a year, like well over a year, sorry. And in December the 23rd, 1974, he's done with the arson and murder of Elizabeth Rocker, who is 72 and she is partially blind, older woman. And again, went in, set her house on fire. He saw her lying in her bed, but he was like, well, I didn't know who it was. And just carried on to pour parfum throughout the house and light the house on fire. There's a gap again of 18 months, which... I get what the police are saying as well. I don't believe that's a gap. I believe he's either set fire somewhere else or it's just fires that they haven't caught him out with yet and he's just not thought to admit. Or fires that maybe didn't go as well as he wanted them to go. Like maybe actually it didn't kind of go to plan. On June the 3rd 1976 he is done with the arson and murder of Andrew Edwards age one. On January the 2nd he's done with the arson and murder of Katrina Thacker six months old so this is obviously kind of family murders and like family arson attacks sorry and that's the only ones that haven't managed to get out. On January the 5th 1977 he is actually done with the arson and murder of 11 men in Wensley Lodge which was a care home that they believe was an accidental fire in the pipes. But he took full blame for that and said, no, it was me. And he actually killed the following. So Harold Astor, 95, William Beale, 73, William Carter, 80, Victor Consett, 83, Leonard Dennett, 73, Arthur Hardy, 65, William Hold, 82, Benjamin Phillips, 83, John Rigby, 75, and Percy Anderson, 77. On April the 27th, 1977, he was again arson and murder of Mark Andrew Jordan, who was seven, and Deborah Hooper, 13. On January the 6th, 1978, murder and arson of a full family, Christine, 24, Mark, 5, Stephen, 4 and Michael, 6 months. On June the 22nd, 1979, arson and bodily harm of Roswell Fenton and her daughter, Samantha, which was the one of the pregnant lady that lost the baby, had gone to bed neighbour with a cigarette. So that's just a majority of the charges there. But just when you hear about it, I'm just like, what were you expecting? Like, I completely understand that pyra, like paramaniacs and they set fire to bins. They set fire to abandoned buildings. But you were literally going into people's houses, physically seeing them and still setting fire. Now, when asked why, he basically said he'd had enough of people pushing him around and they basically the judge said he's a psychopath and just liked causing danger. So he was detained under the Mental Health Act and he went to Liverpool Park Lane Special Hospital and then was moved to Rampton Secure Hospital. He is still there almost 40 years on. So the next part I'm going to go on to is, did he do it? So he basically says, after a while, he was interviewed unfairly. Detective Sagar was actually accused of falsifying statements, but by the Sun newspaper, so it didn't really go very far. Bruce said he was confused and tired by the time he made some admissions, especially at the old folks' home one. So he said he was just being questioned for hours and hours. Bearing in mind he did have like epilepsy and he had learning difficulties, but when asked if he told the truth, he said no. He just basically said yes to stop the questioning. He says he wasn't aware of the consequences of saying yes. He didn't think he'd actually be charged with them. He said he didn't do the fire at the Fenton Tower at Fenton's either. Um he said that the policeman had basically just gone up to him and been like, oh, one one more won't hurt, just like admit to it kind of vibe. So a public inquiry ruled the old people's home an accident, as there was no evidence this was deliberate. So this was quashed. So although he was tried and found guilty of this, this has now been quashed and he's no longer guilty of this. Now, February last year, um at 61 years old, he brought an appeal of over 10 counts of arson and 15 counts of manslaughter. And this was after it was investigated by the CCRC, which is the Criminal Cases Review Commission, by the way. And the judge quashed two arson convictions and three manslaughters, but uh, concluded his remaining convictions were safe. So some of them have been started to rule out. But this is where it's really difficult, especially in the 70s. Like if he's just now saying like I didn't do it, and they were ruled as accidents at one point, it's very easy to kind of get out of them. Now Lord Justice Fulford, who was on the appeal part. Um, was also with Mr Justice Hillard Lord Hughes and basically said the appeals had been allowed in regards to the fires at Nine Gorthorpe in June 1976 and for Belgrave Terrace in April 1977. Now if you're like me and you're probably like I can't remember them Um, that is basically I can tell you what they were sorry so that was the 13 year old and the 7 year old in the first one and the next one was the baby and the 13 month old so that's the ones he kind of got away with so this now means that bruce lee is responsible for 12 deaths not 23 because obviously the whole of the care home was wiped off and now other ones as well now as much as they've all been taken off that's still a huge amount and he's still known as one of the most notorious notorious sorry serial killers in hull um i know that was a lot of names and stuff at the end there but I think this is a bit different from ones we've normally done because I'm just kind of like, sorry for my language, but you're a fucking idiot. Like, what was it? I've just actually got no time for it. Like, I just think they were all just like unnecessary, ruthless acts of just nastiness. And you literally didn't know these people um, and you've just decided to go into their house because you liked fire. Cool. Okay. Sorry get pissed off that's that's all from me (laughs) yeah (laughs) no no I agree with you um I like because he was you know he wasn't clinically insane he wasn't this he wasn't that so really he hasn't got a leg to stand on um but yeah I get you can like fire like my brother like fire but he put it in a campfire in the back garden you know what I mean he didn't set people's houses on fire um, I'm going to Google fires in Clermiston. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell everyone where I live, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, like, yeah, it, there, there was no reason for it whatsoever. And at the end of the day, like, it's murder.